You're now listening to Real Estate Journeys with Matthew Baltzell. Me on the top and I won't stop me. Me on the top and I won't stop me. Me on the top and I won't stop. Me on the, me on the, me on the top. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Matty B, a.k.a. Matthew Baltzell. And welcome back to Real Estate Journeys, the exclusive podcast for new real estate investors looking to grow their brand and their business. So on today's episode, we are going to be talking about international real estate and our friends from up north in Canada. So today's guest we have on is Sarah Larby. Sarah specializes in helping take the mystery out of home ownership for Canadians who thought real estate investing was going to be out of reach. She has earned their trust and respect by having the drive and focus to embark build and grow a seven-figure, nine-property investment portfolio by her early 30s. With that said, let's jump into it. Welcome, Sarah, to the show. Thank you very much. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Glad to have you here. So you are up in Canada uh, and you have nine, a nine-property investment portfolio. Is that correct? I have nine properties, had 10, just sold, uh, sold one. Nice. So, yes. And can you... Can you <laughs> Can you give the can you give the listeners a little bit more about your uh, background and how you went about acquiring those nine properties? Yeah, absolutely. So I do what's called the Burr strategy. Have you heard of that? I have, but for those listeners that yes. have not, do you want to give them a little rundown of what that is? Sure. Essentially, it's like a flip and hold to yourself. So you know, B stands for buy, and then you're going to renovate. That's the first R. You're going to then rent out, refinance, and then repeat. So it's a way essentially to scale up using the bank's money and being able to recycle some of that money into the next deal. And so I've been doing that for about six years, started in, well, started in 2013 and uh, found a very, very small house to start with and cash flowed, rented it, cash flowed that. And then it was originally buy and hold and it was, you know, fairly, you know, turnkey. And then over time it became harder to, to find the deal. So we uh, switched over to, the Burr strategy. Mm. And whereabouts, uh, what kind of returns are you looking for when you're uh, going into a Burr strategy? Yeah. So, you know, one of the, the big differences is numbers in Canada are not necessarily the same as, as they are in the U.S. And when I say Canada, you know, personally for me, I'm looking at Southern Ontario. So prices are a little bit higher. The cash flow is not as much. There's still cash flow, but, you know, we're looking at that plus the mortgage pay down plus the appreciation um, and all three of those combined help out. But um, in, you know, in terms of a Burr, I mean, I've been able to pull out all of my money. Um, I've been able to pull out a portion of my money and just in terms of, you know, ROIs and, um, and all that good stuff. I, I call it like a, you know, a cash flow zone. If I could be in the cash flow zone, mm-hmm. um, you know, after the refinance, I'm happy, but, um, you know, in terms of appreciation, what we're looking for is, you know, ideally after the refi, you know, four to, to 6% a year appreciation, then you get your mortgage pay down. That's another five to 6%. And then cash flow on, you know, a property that costs me potentially, you know, 200 and change, um, anywhere between two to, to $400 a month cash flow mm-hmm. after, you know, all the expenses. Now, when you're typically going into these properties, um, 
when are you doing out when are you doing out the the cash out refi like do you have a set time period if you're saying all right we always try and shoot for the third year second year or you just kind of varies from market to market it varies from property to property so some of them I just test out and see hey can I rent this as is and you know if I rent it and then the tenants move out afterwards I might do reno so it actually has depend like all of my properties um, I think at this point now I'm mostly looking at doing the renovations right away and refinancing you know within that first two to three months potentially doing another refi after a couple years if you know it, if it makes sense because it because one of the things you're going to want to calculate is you know after the refi are you still cash flowing and if you're not and you're going to be paying the tenant to live there it doesn't make as much sense to to do certain types of refinances at certain points so just something to keep in mind. And then your your properties, are they all located in the Ontario area? They are, yes. So more specifically in Brantford, uh, Hamilton, Ontario. I don't know if you've um, ever been out this way, but essentially... I, been, it, I mean, I've been to Canada, but more on the Vancouver, uh, British Columbia side. Okay, right. Because you're in Texas, right? Uh, well, I'm ba- well, our company is based out of Texas. I'm actually living in Thailand right now. I'm on the other side of the world right now, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Boardwalk wealth is located out of Texas and I'm a, uh, I work as an analyst, um, and oh, wow. out of Texas, but yes, you are correct. Awesome. Uh, so, so it's about a, an hour and a half from Toronto if, uh, if that helps. And then, uh, I've got one, uh, uh, Airbnb cottage rental that we, uh, we also bought without any of our own money by refinancing and uh, burying a property and then using that as the down payment. So essentially how you get to nine is just, you know, one at a time, yeah. <laughs> you burn one at a time and you reuse that money. Do Americans invest a lot in, uh, in Canadian properties? Do you find? Not as much. Not as much. Not as much. I mean, you know, when, when you guys have the cash flow that you have, uh-huh. We don't have the same, I mean, for the most part, right? I yeah. mean, if you go to yeah. Windsor and there's some, you know, much further areas, you might find some cash flow, but you guys have the cash flow over us. You just don't have maybe potentially the the same type of appreciation, but there are some, some, you know, differences. And I would say your taxes, like the way that you have it set up mm-hmm. are better than ours. So for example, like you have what's called a 1031 exchange where yeah. you can take a property and you can sell it and buy something of the same value or bigger and you can defer taxes. We don't have any of that. We sell a, a rental property or an income property. We're paying taxes <laughs> regardless. So there's no such thing as a 1031 exchange. Our financial, um, you know, the, the way to get lenders and, and banks and that kind of stuff is completely different. So something to keep in mind as well. Mm. You know, we've got, um, you know, five, six big banks essentially, and they're the A lenders. And of course there's credit unions and trust companies, but um, it's, you know, a little bit more difficult probably to get financing than it might be in the U S I mean, I don't know since 2008, 2009 happened, but there's definitely a lot more hoops to jump through um, here. And also the house prices. I mean, the prices of properties in general are definitely a lot higher Mm. now, you know, because of, of the fact that we're 70 cents or a dollar 30 for every you know dollar that you guys have, yeah. you know, at some point, so we used to go into the U S and <laughs> when we were at par and be able to buy some opportunities for much, much less, it's getting harder for us now to go into the U S. Um, but you know, are Americans coming to Canada? I mean, I'm sure some of them are, but you guys have a good thing out there too. So <laughs> 
What um what what what's your investment criteria as far as when you're looking to acquire a, a new home? I know uh, Brandon Turner, the host of Bigger Pockets, he always is saying he's looking for a housing unit where he can add an additional bedroom or turn a den into a two bedroom house into a three bedroom house. Or uh, is there something specifically that you're looking for that piques your interest as far as investments investment criteria is concerned when you're looking at these properties? Yeah. When I do the burrs, I, I like the cosmetic stuff. So kitchen, bathroom, paint, floor, this, the things that, you know, when you can find something that's really dated for the right price that you can spend, you know, 20 to $35,000 to just get fixed up just nicely, nicely enough to rent. It's usually where I get my, my best bang for the buck. So I don't necessarily look for, you know, places that need all new windows and the foundation issue to deal with. Cause at the end of the day, I'm going to be, you know, I'm flipping to hold it and to rent it. And so I don't want to over, you know, do it either. And then I look for properties that are still going to be able to cash flow. So I don't, I'm not able to buy something at six, $700,000 because it's not going to, the rent afterwards is not going to make sense. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the properties I look for are between two and 300. Um, you know, maybe they need 20 to 40 K of reno work. Um, and then I'll probably pull out about 25, 30 K in some of them, some of them you're, you're pulling out your rental money and you're leaving in your down payment money, which is, you know, in Canada, 20% as a down payment on investment properties, unless you're living in it for the first couple, <laughs> but, uh, you know, got a lot of homes, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, at the end of the day, here's what I look for is, um, we have a lot of the, a lot of good fundamentals in, in Southern Ontario. Um, we, we have about 400,000 immigrants that come into the country every single year. And just think of us like in terms of, you know, we're a 10th of your population. So in comparison, that's quite a bit and about 200 and change come into Southern Ontario. So let's call it the GTA, the greater Toronto area. So the whole, you know, I would say Oshawa to the golden horseshoe, which is like the Niagara area and everything in between. And that's actually creating this insane amount of demand and there's very little supply for housing. So the the vacancy rates are like under 1%. Some areas are under 2%. A lot of them are under 1%. That whole area? That whole area, there is like a housing crisis and a housing shortage. And so, you know, in a way it's a good spot to be in um, because you're not going to be looking for a tenant. (laughs) Usually the properties I'll, I'll fill them before I actually close on them. I'll have them under contract. If they don't need too much work, I'll show it. And then, um, you know, either get somebody there at that point in time or or after the rentals are done. Um, You know, but what I do look for are fundamentals and is that property because I'm a buy and hold investor at the end of the day, even though I'm flipping, I'm still holding, is that property going to still do well in 10 years and 15 years and 20 years? And so that's what I look for because it's, it's not a quick game. It's a, you know, it's a get rich slow game, but over time where you really make your money, yes, cash flow is important. And that's the first thing I look at, but where you're really going to make your money is when your tenants are paying down your mortgage over time. And then the appreciation because even, even like three, 4% a year, I mean, we've had crazy appreciation years of 10 to 20%, you know, the last little while, it's not going to happen forever. At some point it it dies down, but you know, even three to 4% a year, and then your tenants are paying down your mortgage, which if, you know, if you put 20% down, that's usually five to 6% on your money, just that, I mean, it, it makes sense to me. And if I can cash flow on top of that, it's all worth it at the end of the day. Now, one of the things I do look for and this is more so on the tenant piece versus the the property piece is 
you know, depending on where you live. So in Ontario, for example, it's very pro tenants mm -hmm. and it, we are capped at what we can raise the rents. So for example, this year, this year is only 1.8%. Okay. Next year is 2.2. So I actually don't want tenants that are going to live there for more than like two to three years, because what's mm -hmm. going to happen is your market rents go up 10% or 15% because of the shortage. Oh. So at, at some point you actually want the tenants to turn over and then you can increase the rents back to market and then you start cash flowing even better. Yeah. So what do you, so how do you, how do you go about the, the screening of somebody that's going to look in for two years? Or say yeah. I, I actually have like a whole five-step uh, process of screening the tenants. And so the first thing I actually do is I screen them through before they even know who I am. Like, you know, there's actually two or three steps prior to that. So the first thing is we have Kijiji in Canada. You guys have like Craigslist, but I'll post the ads there. That's actually where the rental market is in Canada is mostly on Kijiji. Of course, there's MLS and other things, but you know, a lot of it is going to be on that site. And then, so what I'll do is I'll post the ad and then I'll post like three or four questions. People that cannot answer the questions probably do not get a reply back. At this point, they don't know how to get a hold of me. So I have the control. Then I actually will, will screen them on the phones and, you know, questions like, you know, how long would you like to live there for? Like without necessarily letting them know I want them out in two to three years. Yeah. I'm looking for the ones that are going to want to buy their own place or, you know, they've got, you know, a, like a less than five year goal because they want to do something, you know, they want to, usually it's something along the lines of, I want to buy my own place. So those tenants can see the property. Um, and then that's when I actually book a showing and then there's a, like a whole other list of steps and, you know, I'll pull the background, I'll call the landlords, I'll check the credit and that kind of stuff. But even prior, I have a whole checklist and um, your listeners definitely can, get it and they can send me an email. I'm, I'd be happy to send it to them, but there's a whole checklist of additional questions that I ask them before I even want to show them the property. And that is going to be, you know, what determines if I want to even show this property to the tenant or not. And legally you have to show, if somebody asks for an application and they see the property, you legally have to give it to them. The application, not the property, but you have to give them an application to fill out. So if they ask for an application, you legally have to give them an application, correct? If they see the property. Yeah. If they see the property. Okay. And then from there you can, it's just up to you to determine, right? Legally, you could do that. You can determine, you got to be very careful that you don't discriminate against certain things. So you ideally never want to give them a reason why they didn't get it. Um, of course, there are some things that you can, you know, say no on like credit is one of them, but regardless, like I usually, <laughs> I usually like to play the card of, you know, we've got tons of applications and, um, you know, take your time with that piece because if you have a bad tenant that can make or break your whole enjoyment of this, you know, this, this whole thing, <laughs> this whole process. Now, now let me ask you, this sounds like a, a great process. Were you ever, were you ever burned initially before you developed this system? You know by who? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I was gonna actually you know, know the first, guy. He's uh, he's living in Toronto now. Let me tell no, you. you know what? Our first tenant was my sister-in-law, and uh, there is no process. She yeah. was okay, but uh -huh. you know, I'm like, I think I need to to design some processes. And luckily, like we asked them to leave, we wanted to rent out the place, and they were paying way below market rent. Um, but yeah, no, she uh, she was the first one. We learned. And uh, you know, established the problem. When I say we, it's just me and my boyfriend. He's not into the real estate thing as much, but he's, uh, you know, he's definitely supportive and stuff. So 
Very cool. Very cool. Well, yeah, it sounds like uh, that, that checklist is very uh, informative. And yeah, if you're willing to share that, I'll also uh, include a link for the show notes. So the, the members of, or sorry, the members, the listeners can get that there for you. So I'd like to close it out with the final three closing questions. First question is, what is your favorite book to re-gift? To re-gift. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. You know what? My mortgage broker, uh-huh. Dahlia Barsoom wrote one for Canadian financing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know exactly what the title is, but if you Google Dahlia Barsoom for Can- for Canadians, obviously this doesn't make sense if you don't live in Canada and you're not investing here, but it is everything that you need to know about the financing world and which lenders to go to first. And, you know, it's just a, just a, an interesting book. You know, it might not be fun to, for everyone to learn about that piece, but it's like the one thing in order to scale up that you really need to have a, a good mortgage broker on your side, but be an understanding of the lending practices here. Mm. Question two, if you were to give a TEDx talk, what would it be on and why? Just millennials being able to take their finances in their own hands and, you know, put a plan together because they don't have to work for 35 years until you retire. You can do it in 10 years. There you go. I like that. Third is what is a pain point or weakness you face right now in your business? So I'm actually looking at potentially changing up my strategy a little bit to um, multifamily, like larger multifamily Mm -hmm. commercial and, you know, just starting the marketing piece and getting, uh, getting some opportunities out there. So what I think I'm missing right now is time. (laughs) (laughs) Time with a, a full-time job, two uh-huh. podcasts. I'm a co-founder of the Right Club. So I think that the time piece, because in order to do it properly, a lot of the deals, especially in Canada, I'm sure for you guys too, happen without even hitting the MLS. And like, so mm-hmm. there's a lot of going out there and talking to the sellers and things that I have to do and have to create some time for it. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very cool. Well, awesome. Well, thank you very much for being on the show, Sarah. I'll make sure to uh, once again, include all those links in the show notes and uh, we'll catch you on the next go round. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Real Estate Journeys, guys. Your support is greatly appreciated. And if you found this content to be enjoyable, valuable, or entertaining in any way, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe, leave a comment, and a five-star review. Peace.